Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And let's all stand up. The title of this morning's message is The Salt of the Earth and the Light of the World. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Our most glorious Heavenly Father, you have gathered us once again this morning that we may look upon you and ponder the greatness of who you are and the greatness of your love for us. As we study your word, we ask you to guide us to understand your word through the Holy Spirit. May we repent of all our sins past days and turn back to you and seek your face, seek your righteousness, O God. Help us to be continually empowered for the transforming work of your spirit and your word in our lives. We bless you, Lord. Whatever is accomplished this morning, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Take our seat. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said about those who believe in him and follow him. You see, brethren, when we genuinely repented of our sins, we admitted our need of God, our need of forgiveness, because we are sinners needing the grace of God and began trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to save us and change us an amazing miracle took place we were born again and receive a new spiritual life. 
When you are truly born of God, you will never be the same. The Holy Spirit began to reside in us and we became partakers of the divine nature. Dust became salt and darkness became light. We became God's salt of the earth and His light of the world. Now, Jesus used salt and light to describe those who truly believe and follow Him. That is His description of you. And those are the two salt and light identities of who you are as a Christian. You look at your neighbor and say, you are the salt and light of this world. Don't tell your neighbor you are the vinegar. <laughs> These two illustrations of salt and light show what Christian life and living should be, what Christian character and conduct mean in everyday life. What does salt do? Salt has inherent qualities or properties that makes it affect its surroundings. Whenever salt is present, it will always affect the surroundings. It preserves meat by dehydrating it. It removes the water. And it also kills the bacteria that causes the decay or the decomposition of meat. How? By also dehydrating them. That's why they do not decay. We're all familiar with dried fish or salted fish. Okay? Dried fish, they also put, uh, they bake it in the sun, and then they also put uh, salt. Who likes salted fish here or bulad? Oi, ang uban dili mo si buano? Di mo bisaya? It not only preserves food, but also gives flavor, making it taste better. It makes something tasteless into something tasteful. If you have a dried fish, no, there's no salt. Would you like it? Tabang. But if there's salt, then with the fried, fried egg, Good breakfast. <laughs> so it makes something tasteless into something tasteful. That's why when you are born of God, your tasteless life before has now become a tasteful kind of life. Salt works slowly and secretly. You miss you miss the salt with the meat. So its effect is observed gradually. That's what salt does. Now, what does light do? We have lights here. Light allows people to see where they are, where you are, 
and then guides them in the right way so that they won't get lost or stumble. So it works openly and rapidly or quickly. When you turn on light, right away you see. Now Jesus' disciples, who were mostly fishermen, uh, the first disciples, must have been surprised why he called them the salt of the earth and the light of the world since they were just ordinary people from a small fishing village called Galilee. Even today, Galilee is not really that, that big. Uh, we Brosen and many of us were there the, the other year uh, in Israel. It's not a very big place. Now, can you imagine 2,000 years ago, what, what was the, you know, the population of that area? The size of the areas was still very small. And they must have wondered, well, uh, they were fishermen, so it's easy for them to understand what salt does <laughs> because they're familiar with salted fish and dried fish. It's okay if they were called, you are the salt of Galilee. Or maybe you are the salt of Judea or the whole of Israel. But to say, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Huh? Must have been wondering. What makes people who are born of God's salt and light of the world? What makes them different from unbelievers? First, they are partakers of the divine nature. That's what the Word of God says. Because we have the promises of God and we have the Spirit of God. We were born of the Spirit of God. The second is that their worldview has been changed by the Word of God. They have the wisdom of God. Third, they behave differently because their character is changing. It's being transformed from glory to glory into the image and likeness of Christ. So they live a different lifestyle. And the fourth is that they have the gospel message of Christ, which is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. How can you share the gospel if you have not experienced the gospel in your life? You cannot share something you do not have. And since God is light, those who are born of God are therefore children of light. God is mixing the Christians in this world as his salt, and they stand before the world as his light. And that's a great honor, a great privilege, and a great responsibility we have as Christians. When Jesus pictured Christians as salt of the earth and light of the world, he was giving us two insights on the condition of the world around us. The first insight that we get from the Lord is that the world of humanity is decaying. That's why He had chosen people to become His salt of the earth. Because the world of humanity is decaying, both literally and spiritually. 
Though God said that everything He created was good, it's what He says in the book of Genesis. The fall of man into sin brought humanity and the world into decay and death. The world that God made is good and beautiful. Even today, this, in this fallen world, we, we see the glory of God, the beauty of everything that He has created. Jesus rejoiced. In fact, He, he pointed out His Father's creation, the beautiful lilies of the field, the flying sparrows, and the amazing seed sown by the farmer. And the heavens still declare the glory of God, and the earth continues to reveal the work of His hands. It never ceases to amaze me every time I look at the heavens on those very dark nights where there are no clouds, and you see just the starry skies above. God did not condemn creation in spite of the fact that it is groaning because of sin. Neither did the Lord totally condemn nor abandon humanity. If you remember when God judged the earth at the time of Noah, He saved Noah and his family. He did not totally condemn the whole world. Jesus declared in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. That's how great God's love is for us and for the rest of humanity. He was giving His only begotten Son. Though sin has done terrible harm to humanity and the rest of the natural world, God still loves people and desires to save them. Man was given by God the mandate to have dominion over the whole created world, but sin has made him an irresponsible steward over God's creation, including his own self. Why would some people kill themselves? Is that a demonstration of a good steward? Definitely not. When Jesus spoke of the world in John chapter 17, verse 16, saying, they, meaning his disciples, his followers, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. He was not referring to the earth, but to the world system that rebels against God and glorifies man. That's the essence of rebellion. You disdain authority. You disdain the absolute authority of God. You disdain the authority of your parents. You disdain the authority of 
the people that are overseeing you for your own good, for your own benefit. And you exalt yourself above others. Christians are in the world physically, but we are not of the world spiritually. They are no longer under the dominion of Satan, the prince of darkness. It's how you know a person is still unsaved. Look at his lifestyle. A Christian is not perfect. But he goes back to God. He repents and goes back to God again and again, seeking God's mercy. But an unsaved person, an unbeliever, you can see his consistent lifestyle of rebellion. They are still, Christians are still in this world, but their citizenship is in heaven. Can you imagine that? You are a Filipino citizen right now. Most of you anyway, because we have some foreigners here. You may be a citizen of your country. You say you're a citizen of this world, but you're already a citizen of heaven. Look at your neighbor. He's, the, huh? He's a heavenly citizen. Isn't that exciting? Huh? Isn't that exciting, brethren? That while we are still sitting here in the city of Cebu, listening to God's word, we are already declared by God as citizens of heaven. Is that amazing? I'm excited to go to my home. That's why death has no more sting. Death has no more fear in our hearts. Does not bring fear anymore. The more you know the Lord, the more you know His Word, the more you know His promises, gets more exciting. This world, brethren, is a vast burial ground, physically and spiritually speaking. And Christians are the only people who are spiritually alive because they have been reconciled to God. It is by the grace of God that there is decay and decomposition of dead bodies. Do you know that? Do you realize that? God designed enzymes in our body that when we, we go into death, it will begin to act to destroy this flesh. And bacteria that, that were helpful in our, in our system when we were still alive now begins to destroy our body. And still the wisdom of God. Can you imagine if God did not design that way for decay to happen to dead bodies and living animals and plants that, and of course humanity, die and they will not decompose? 
from the time of Adam and Eve. <laughs> every place, every town, every barangay, every city will have a pile, pile and huge piles of dead bodies that are not decomposing. This would be a very terrible world to live in. That's why it's a vast burial ground. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, Jesus spoke about those who were spiritually dead. He told one of his disciples, let the dead bury the dead. The first time when I was a young Christian, I read this, I did not understand this. Uh, why would a dead person bury another dead if, if you know, he's dead? Because our idea of death usually is physical death. I did not know yet about spiritual death. Jesus was speaking here of those who were spiritually dead, disconnected from God, burying a loved one, a friend, or a family member who, is, who physically died. That's why let the dead, the spiritually dead, bury the physically dead. Death means decay. Dead bodies begin to decay. Spiritual death is evidenced by spiritual decay. We see religions having a form of devotion, but having no power to transform people into a Christ-like character. The moral standards of unregenerate man is decaying because he is spiritually dead, separated from God because of sin. The people that I know who were drunkards when, when we were young, I, I cannot think of anyone who has changed. My four days, palahubog. Karon palahubog lang yapon, tigawang na, mga senior citizens. No change. Cannot change themselves. That's why a, a drug addict cannot get out of that. Unless the power of God rescues him, changes him. And when things decay, they fall apart. In a spiritual sense, his life falls apart. His relationships fall apart. He's messed up. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 gives us a picture of the world's moral decay. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, unholy, without love, unforgiving, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power. Just look at the world around us. Listen to the news every day. Watch TV. The terrible times Paul was writing are already here. 
People do not only ignore God's commands, they hate them. They oppose God's commands. Consider this. Millions of babies are killed by abortion with the consent of their mothers. In fact, many women are fighting for the right to have an abortion. And they're killing their own babies. And they call that as choice. It's their own body. Women sell their bodies on a worldwide scale through the internet, now including their own children. Homosexual marriages are now sanctioned by society. Homosexual practices has been in this world since time immemorial, but it's only now that it's, it's being sanctioned by law that they can get married. Human sexual or gender identity is getting blurred. It is now being promoted as a personal preference. Dong, sa may pilion mo, babae ka, laki ka, in between ka, or marriages and families are fast breaking apart. Law and order are ignored. Those in authority abuse their positions. There is more rampant and blatant display of greed and corruption throughout the whole world. Life is very cheap. Global pollution of the environment. Natural resources are systematically abused and misused. Many species of animals and plants are continually lost. Terrorism, advanced weapons, and nuclear war are present dangers to our civilization even at this very moment. Weapons of war are already being prepared. Now, just look at eight leaders in these modern times who are responsible for the deaths of an estimated 120 million people. Eight leaders. North Korean Kim Il-sung, 1.6 million. Cambodian Pol Pot, 1.7 million. Turkish uh, despot Ismail Enver Pasha, 2.5 million. Japanese Hideki Toho was responsible for the Japanese involvement in, in the Second World War, 5 million. Leopold II of Belgium, 10 million people. German adult Hitler, 17 million. Russian Joseph Stalin, 23 million. Mao Zedong, 60 million. This is more than the entire population of the Philippines, current population of the Philippines, wipe out. Just eight people. The world of humanity is decaying. The second insight is that the world of humanity is in darkness. We claim to be the most informed generation, yet we live in a dark world. There is so much knowledge, but little wisdom. People go to schools and go to universities and colleges, 
But when you ask them, what's the purpose for their life? That's very basic, fundamental in our human existence. What's the purpose of your life? They don't know. They just make up their own purpose. But if you ask them, what is God's purpose for your life? Even those who claim to believe in God, they don't know. That's lack of wisdom, lack of knowledge. Parents prefer their children to be smarter than have good characters. Have you seen uh, on TV, advertisement or on newspapers about, you know, give your children this vitamin because they will make your children uh, obedient and good. <laughs> well, good, right? But they will always say, you know, this will make your children smarter, taller, more handsome, maybe. <laughs> History, though interspersed by occasions of positive events, is still a continuing sad story of man's pursuit for self-exaltation, only to slide towards self-destruction. People are either not looking for God's light or rejecting it. When you say God's light, God's truth, God's truth about our life, about our work, about our relationships with Him and with people, and about the condition of man, so that they, they will understand themselves, but they're not looking for the truth, for the light. Are, or even when you give them the light, they reject it. Thus, the consequence they walk deeper into darkness. They have no light of God within their soul to guide them. That's why it is our responsibility to guide our children, to expose them to the truth of God's word, to the gospel message. Most governments of the world want to ban God from the consciousness of their people, creating a spiritual vacuum. China and many other countries are destroying Christian churches even up to this time. False religions, New Age beliefs, atheism and cults are gaining followers. We have one who is famous in our country who can stop earthquakes. Stop! <laughs> of course, the earthquake will stop. Have you ever experienced an earthquake that will not stop? It, it lasts only for seconds. Otherwise, everything will, will fall apart. I've been in this world for 68 years. I've not experienced uh, an earthquake that doesn't stop. And people believe. Hmm? You know, there is so much freedom in America. It's the bastion of democracy, supposedly. But the irony is that Christians are not allowed to pray and worship in public 
places. Brother Bruce, is that true? But when there's a big calamity happening, they will gather even in public and start to pray, Lord, help us. Yan ang ganang tao. Hindi ko gusto ni mo, ginoo, pero nanagani problema. When there is moral darkness, people's moral values are distorted. People are forcefully coerced to violate their Christian principles in the guise of liberalism. You have your own convictions as a Christian, and yet people are trying to compel you to do what they want or even to believe what they believe. To believe in their delusions. Why don't you call me Madam when I believe I'm a woman? But you're a man. You're insulting me. See? I, you know, we respect if they delude themselves into thinking that they are what they are not. But don't make me believe in your own delusions. Money is more important than goodness. Things are more important than people. People love things and use people to gain things. Instead of using money to gain people. Truly, the greatest threat to humanity is man in his rebellious state. If God did not intervene in this world, we have no hope. So what hope is there for this dark and decaying world? How does salt affect the world of humanity? God brought salt and light into this world. Christians, genuine Christians are God's ingredient that is preventing humanity's total decay. Whether people admit it or not, the world is a better place because of the presence of Christians. I know that there are Christians or so-called Christians that may have caused harm towards others. But they will be accountable to God for what they have done. And a lot of them are false believers. If the world is corrupt, even now with God's people present in it, what will civilization be like when they are gone? Can you imagine what the world will look like, will be like after the rapture when God takes his people before he judges the world? What will the, what will the world be like if the influence of Christians and Christian thought were taken from the world? I'm not saying that only Christians have made significant contributions to society because many unbelievers have made valuable contributions to it also. But it is because of the fruits of the message of Christ that humanity has the freedom and dignity to pursue truth and give us true meaning, of, true meaning to life. Most important of all is the radical change that it brings to the character of those 
who are saved. Just look at one family. A problematic son or a problematic daughter who for many years caused pain and suffering in the home and then is born again and her life is changed. What joy that new life brings into the home. Or a father or a wife whose life is redeemed by the power of Christ. And when you multiply that in the community, in the world, you can see the, the small spark becoming like a fire of God's light. The world does not realize that it is the presence of God's people that prevents its collapse and ultimate judgment. Notice, in the Old Testament, Lot was not a dedicated believer, yet his presence in a corrupt society of Sodom, the city was spared because of the presence of Lot. But after he was taken, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. One day God will judge this present rebellious world system, but he must call his own people out of it before that judgment will fall. Meanwhile, and meantime, while we are still here, our responsibility is to be God's salt to prevent total decay and win people to Christ. Like salt, the influence of a Christ-like character may be slow and quiet and penetrating. Sometimes it takes time for its effects to be seen. We have friends and relatives or co-workers that we've been sharing the gospel for, for some time. And it seems like it's not doing any, any, any effect. But wait, the salt of God will eventually bring out the desired effect. Jesus attracted all kinds of people. They gravitated to him. Why? Because of his loving character and compassion. And the more we become Christ-like in character, bearing abundantly the fruit of the Spirit, that we are, the people see us as peacemakers rather than troublemakers, and the people see us that we are humble in spirit, not proud and arrogant, people will be attracted. And people will be attracted to Christ. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's very visceral, huh, to taste. It's not something cerebral, but you know, that means you really experience it. You, you, you taste it and you see it. How? How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? First day is because of His people. When you see the goodness of God's people, the, the different character of God's people, 
when you see and taste that the Lord really is good. And you can see that the Lord is good in their lives of those who follow Him. If we are God's children, then people could see and taste the goodness of God through us. How does light affect the world of humanity? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The Lord Jesus did, did many kinds of good works to glorify his Father. As God's light of the world, we must have the conduct that brings praise to God. As God's children, we must have the conduct that brings praise to our Heavenly Father. You claim to be a child of God? Show me by what you do. And Jesus defined this light when he said, let your light shine before men. He defined this light as good works. What are these good works? They are ordinary or not so extraordinary perhaps. Acts motivated by God's love in your life and God's love for people. Empowered by the Spirit and done for God's glory. This is, this is not easy to do because we are by nature selfish, self-centered. And, and yet you do this acts motivated by God's love and God's uh, uh, or love for others, empowered by the Spirit of God and done for God's glory. Now, how does this happen? How can we do this? Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 explains, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. So whatever good that you do, that is God's work in your life. And Ephesians chapter 2 explains to us why this happens. So the first is how this happens. This God works in you. And then why this happens? Because God, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God planned in advance for us to do. That's in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. So God saves us first, changes our character, gives us a new nature, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and then begins to transform us through the Word of God, changes our, our mindset, our thinking, our worldview. And it is God who planned in advance for us to do those good works that brings glory to His name. We are to be the living evidence of the transforming power of God. You are to be that evidence. Unsaved people can certainly do good works, but these are not like the spirit-driven acts that come from God's people. Jesus was talking about the good works that point to and glorify God, while self-motivated good works point to and glorify the doer. God's Word instructs believers, whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That means you aim for excellence. You work with excellence as working for the Lord. You do not do something in a mediocre way when you know that you're doing it for the Lord, but you do your best. You work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So you serve your company. You serve your customers. You serve your employers. You serve your employees as working or as serving the Lord, not for men. Like light, the influence of a Christ-like behavior is obvious and attracting. So salt must make contact. For it to have an effect, salt must make contact and light must be seen if they are to do any good. If salt is just hidden in a bowl or light is hidden in a bowl, doesn't do any good. We've got to be involved. We know there are dangers we face as salt and light in this world. The first danger is persecution. When salt touches an open wound, it stings. The gospel stings because it tells people they are sinners. I remember one time I was, I was giving a talk uh, as one of the panelists in a, among groups of uh, doctors and there were many there who were patients as well. And I was talking about the gospel message that I bring. I was asked what, what things I say to a dying person. So I told them that I tell the person that the reason why the Bible says why we die is because we are sinners. And there was a strong reaction in the audience. How can you comfort someone by telling them that they are sinners? See? Because they don't understand. John 16:8 tells us that the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believers and the gospel message that they bring sting people because they con these convict them of their sin and expose their sinful acts. It challenges them to make a decision. It challenges them to make a choice. Either continue on their rebellious way or turn, repent, and turn to Jesus Christ. This is the reason the world will not like you. You are intolerant as far as they are concerned. When you say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. They say, you are so bigoted, intolerant. I'm a doctor. I prescribe anti-rabies uh, vaccine and anti-rabies immune gamma globulin for those who are bitten by a suspected rabid dog. I am not intolerant nor am I bigoted when I prescribe those to a patient. I cannot just say, okay, uh, there are a lot of vaccines there in the pharmacy. You just choose whatever you like. There are uh, immune gamma globulins. Even for the ones for tetanus, you can use that for rabies. You can be sure the patient will die soon. But when it comes to spiritual matters, people will just 
brush off the truth. They are in darkness. The second danger, assault and light in this world is contamination. The first is persecution. Second is contamination. Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So we have a new nature that comes from God. We still have that old sin nature. That's why there is a battle going on in us daily. How do we lose our light and our saltiness? By backsliding, by worldliness. When we backslide spiritually and behave in an unchristlike manner, we lose our witness to the world. You're always causing trouble in your office. You're always causing trouble in your home. People will not believe when you say you're a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian like you. You are a bad example of what a Christian is like. People will not listen to our message. That's why Jesus said, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be trampled by men, to be insulted by men. That's why we must not allow ourselves to be contaminated by the evil ways of the world. Jesus was a friend of sinners and outcasts, yet he remained holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sin. That's what Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 says. And only the Spirit of God can keep us from losing our saltiness as we seek to minister the lost. As we need to get in contact with the world, with the unbelievers, we must seek the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we will not be contaminated, become like the ones that we're trying to minister. You know, our old sin nature will try to lure us to go back. Satan will try to lure us back to our old way of life. We need to regularly come to God in prayer. We must reflect on the miracle of our salvation. Don't forget how you were saved. Remember, God always reminded the Israelites, remember what I did for you in this place, in this place, how I demonstrated and displayed my power. So, kita said, we must always reflect and remember, remind ourselves daily of our salvation, how we were saved. And our identity as Christians, we are not only salt and light of this earth, but we are, the, uh, we are children of God. And Christ lives in us. We are His ambassadors. We have the Spirit of God that gives us the power to become Christ-like in character, being transformed, and to do God's will. So what's the challenge to us Christians? If we are to bring impact to this world as salt and light, we must be involved. But firstly, we must let God do the transforming work in our lives. Let us continually be changed. Do not, do not use the dictum, Yun ani madyo kodaan, bata pa ko. 
if you continually say that, I'm, you know, I've always been like this. So don't expect me to become different. No, you are different. You are a child of God. You have the Spirit of God in you. You are no longer a citizen of the Philippines. You are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what, who you are and that's what we are. Let us be like Abraham who knew how corrupt Sodom was, yet he prayed that the city might be spared. Sige, ampo si Abraham. Let us be like Joseph in Egypt. Tanawang influence ni Joseph sa Egypt. And Daniel in Babylon. They were God's salt and light in the midst of a corrupt society. And they stood as faithful witnesses for God so that they had no more excuse that they did not see God's light. You might ask yourself, what good can one small believer do? I'm just a small light. Maybe you say, I'm just a very small bulb and a pinch of salt. But a pinch of salt is enough to make food taste better. Huh? The Bible gives emphasis on the work and witness of one person. At its darkest time of human history, before the flood, God called one righteous man, Noah. After the flood, God called one man, Abraham. And through him, God blessed the whole world. When the Israelites were experiencing, experiencing the darkest time of their slavery in Egypt, God called Moses one man. The result was their deliverance from slavery. Salt and light you must give of yourself so that others might find true life. How many families were saved because one member was saved? One prodigal son was saved and it affected the whole family, brought them to Christ. <laughs> God used that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter. Don't be discouraged. Continue to be the salt and light in the home, in the community. It is the Lord's work to convict the hearts of those that we share the gospel, that you share the gospel. So what can you do to influence the world? Number one, by praying to God. Always praying to God. Prayer brings you to the source of the greatest power, the omnipotent power of God. Is there anything too hard for God to do? And Jesus promised that he will be with us until the end of the age. He promised the Holy Spirit to be with us. By praying, we seek God's help to insulate us from the corrupt ways of the world and make us effective witnesses of Christ to the lost. You pray for the elders. You pray for the leaders in this church. You pray for the ministry heads, the members of this church, that we may continually become strong in our witness, in our walk with the Lord. And we pray that more people will come to repentance and saving faith in the Lord. Jesus Christ. 
Jesus taught his disciples the prayer, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is advanced when the hearts of people are changed, when the hearts of people are filled by the Spirit of Christ. And so the will of God begins to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Second way that we can influence the world is by witnessing in words and actions. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You testify how God changed your life, how you encountered Christ in your life. Start sharing the good news to others, one soul at a time. One soul at a time. Jesus started with one disciple at a time. Equip yourselves with the Word of God. You can attend IBI. Attend, join a Bible study, engage in learning the Word of God. Get involved in at least one ministry that brings the gospel message and engage in activities that can have practical benefit to people. Demonstrate godly character by conducting yourself in a righteous manner in the workplace, in school, and in other places. Let people see Jesus in your life. Utilize your talents, your resources, time to benefit others in the community. People may not appreciate you. doesn't matter. You are not seeking appreciation from people. You are seeking appreciation and approval from the Lord. But one day, you will hear the Lord say to you, when you go home, when we go home, <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. You have served well. You have been faithful and with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I want to uh, show you some pictures. Uh, I'm not promoting certain individuals here, brothers uh, or sisters, but just to show you what you can do. Um, I'm sorry for the other uh, ministries. Uh, I didn't have your pictures. Um, so uh, this is Brother Erwin uh, Solis. He's one of our ushers here, deacons, and giving a talk to uh, army people. Uh, during uh, our Sparks uh, seminars, uh, talking to them about finding satisfaction in your work. Uh, next. Uh, this is Alvin, uh, Captain Alvin Ebrio. Ebrio. He used to be a rebel against the government, armed rebel against the government. He was a soldier, but he rebelled against the government. And yet, now he's invited by the government to speak to <laughs> soldiers. <laughs> because he became a Christian in prison. And now he's serving the Lord. Uh, next. And then after, at the end of the seminar, the gospel message is given and uh, we challenge them to make a decision 
for Christ. We know that the Lord will work in their lives, in their hearts. And you can see the response. These are battle-hardened soldiers. Next. And this is another life that, that was changed. A problematic prodigal son, a son of a policeman, uh, Gigi Sapitula. He's now a pastor in our downtown uh, outreach area. And he's ministering to the police because his father, who used to be a policeman, uh, had so much suffering because of his rebellious ways when he was young. To a point that one time, his own father, who's a policeman, shot him. But the Lord rescued him and changed his life. He's a, now a productive member of society. And this is another problematic husband. <laughs> He's one of our elders in this church, Robert Chan. And he was uh, a gambling addict. He was into the bandage of gambling. Uh, he lost so much money uh, due to gambling, uh, even to a point where he robbed his own wife to get money for gambling. But God saved him through the gospel, and he's now serving the Lord. So, una kono, makadungo kusiyag sultada sa kaya casino man. He was into casino and cockfighting. Malabay ganis siya o kanang unsaingan naning buangan. Murakono bitaron yung dunggan sa tingog sa. Ato kiti siya. Now, malabay siya. Wala na. Did mana. Okay, next. And this is one of the topics that we talk about during seminars, the true measure of success in life. Next. And this is the couple's uh, ministry uh, having uh, an activity. And you, you know, if, if you are a couple, uh, you can join if you don't want to be separated. You see, some, some women prefer to be in the women's ministry alone without the husband, and the men also, some, they want to have the men. Men's ministry, women's ministry. But for those who don't want to be separated, they want to be always together till death do us part. And that's why they are in the couple's ministry. And Brother Mel is the uh, one in charge of the couple's ministry. This one is the island ministry. These people are involved in planting churches, uh, uh, sharing the Bible to to people in the islands between Bohol and Cebu. And so they're very excited going to uh, one of the islands uh, uh, in the Visayas. Uh, that's my wife there at the right uh, side. Uh, and these are children about to present something in the church service. So instead of gallivanting around outside, uh, now they are being taught uh, the Bible in Sunday school and they're just happy to oblige for a, of course, picture. Pinoy gani picture run. Post dayon. Next. And the leaders in the outreach church are praying before uh, the start of the service. That's the uh, people attending. And this is Sister Carol, uh, who was giving a talk during one of our Spark seminar uh, to the barangay cap all the barangay captains of Talisay City. And there's a picture after this. There. Uh, 
Uh, we, have, we have several topics that we discuss with them. But take note, the gospel will always be presented. And the people are challenged. Now, this one, uh, these are mga trabaho sa barko ba? Mga marinero, kapitan, chief mate, mga engineers. And uh, very uh, attentive. Uh, they were, in fact, they, there were times when they were smiling. And I was, I was talking to them about King Solomon. And you know how it is with mga marinero, mga kiat. So I told them about Solomon, who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Ah, that's our guy, Solomon. Ganahan kay silang Solomon. And then as I began to expound on the wisdom of God, and finally what Solomon's conclusion was at the end of their lives, he said, lang ming Solomon. Now they're raising their hands to be saved. <laughs> Next. Uh, as uh, Brother William uh, Belda, uh, we were conducting a seminar for the officers and members of the Bureau of Prisons and Parole. Almost a lot of them are lawyers. And as uh, Brother John Ingracia, uh, giving a talk to uh, chiefs of police of Region 7. These are all chiefs of police. Dili ni mga ordinaryong policemen. You know, their M16s were lined up uh, in the rooms. Uh, this was an isolated place somewhere in the mountains of Cebu. So, dili maka, dili maka gawas. Uh, uh, this is a life that was changed, uh, not from our church, but in... He was a very corrupt uh, uh, customs police. He was so corrupt that the other corrupt customs policemen did not like him. Swapang sa mga swapang. Eventually, he got fired from his job. He became a taong grasa. But because there was salt and light of a Christian, he was saved. He was already, he, he was abandoned by his family. He was alone. He was taong grasa. And he was restored. And, you know, uh, he, he was even restored to a position in the customs police. You know how God just changed the life of this per person. Uh, his family name is Manahan. And then this one, uh, Kawatan, Snatcher, Drug Poser, Tanan Klasing, Kawatan Ogma Hinaihai, Kawatag Manok, Ognay Mawang Manok, Sianaday Pansanginlan. Grabby. Now he's a, he's a pastor, he's, he's serving the Lord. The government is inviting him to talk to mga drug addicts and yeah. uh, amazing. Next, uh, three of these people here used to be criminals. I will not point out. Siguro ako lang point out That brother Jess there at the top, uh, he was not a criminal, uh, and that girl also is not a criminal. Uh, Kananga uh, orange, Muragdili, is a criminal, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the three, the middle one, the Gigi, and then uh, the other two, uh, this one, uh, they're all pastors, but except the girl. But you can just see the, the effect of salt and light in the lives of people. Next. You see there, Brother Jingle. Ngayan kasi yang short pan of Puruntong. One of the guys, be wise. When you are in Rome, be a Roman. 
when you are with these cool guys, wear cool attire. Uh, young people, problematic, tanaw ng buhok sa sao. Adis adis kay kitsura. Brother Jingle was really passionate in expounding the gospel message here. Okay, next. So we we can really do many things. No, no more na. Ah, here this is. I can men. You can join a Bible study for men. Some men's ministry. And then uh, youth, uh, young people, can join. Uh, use your talents there. Next. And this one of the uh, terminally ill per, uh, woman just recently. I was asked to counsel, and she was dying. She says, Look at her arm. It's very swollen. It's really huge. It's very painful, 24-7, and she was suffering. And uh, I had a one-on-one -on -one talk with her and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And she received the Lord. She was so happy that she, she, she sat up because she was already bedridden. And she even walked and said, I want to go with you to the door. And after, uh, after our talk, uh, we had a family picture. That's it, Muraga birthday. We're smiling. But she's dying. I told her, you'll probably die in one month. Next. So you can do. What, wherever you are, whatever you do, you can always advance the gospel. Next. Uh, this is in Balamban. We had a seminar for employees of the, uh, the town, of two towns, Balamban and I think Asturias. And uh, are, these are teachers in private schools. Uh, next. And of course, IBI uh, to, to learn more of God's word. Uh, okay. So, praise God <laughs> that he's, he's, he's using us as his salt and light in this world. Let's bow down our heads. Father, we praise you and thank you for your wonderful message this morning. What a great privilege. What a great honor. What a great responsibility we have as your salt and light in this world. Help us, Lord, to live out our lives truly reflecting the character and the manner of our Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to shine forth as your light among people, to be salt that gives flavor in life. I wonder how many of you have not been using the talents that God has given you. Maybe your light is shining already and the saltiness in you is there. But you're isolating yourself. You're not even sharing the gospel to others. You're not telling them your testimony, how you encountered Christ, how you became like that, a Christian. And you want to commit yourself today to begin the work of salt and light 
in this world. I challenge you to make that commitment. Just raise your hand to the Lord today. Thank you for those hands. 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 You pray with me. Father, forgive me for neglecting my role as your salt and light in this world. Father, the world is decaying because they do not know you. They have no relationship with you. The world is in darkness because they do not have the light of your truth. Oh God. Why have, why have I been so complacent and lazy? Forgive me, Lord. We're afraid and scared to tell others when I have the power of the Holy Spirit and I have the power being equipped with your word that I can use to tell others of your goodness, of your love, of your grace, of your salvation. Father, I commit to you today, I will begin to do the good works that you have planned for me to do. You saved me for those good works that we may glorify you among men. Help me, Lord, to bear much fruit. that others will be touched and find Christ in their lives as well. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, O God. We thank you, Lord, for your message today. We thank you for the tithes and offerings. Thank you for the provisions that you have been faithfully giving to this church and to us personally in our work, in our profession, in our businesses. Thank you, Lord, for so many blessings that you have showered upon us. We give you glory and honor, thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God.